You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. My name is Wayne Shepherd. Great to be with you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for your feedback on this program, whether it's on social media or our email address in the studio at michaelcard.com. We, we really enjoy hearing from listeners, Michael, don't we? Right? We do. <laughs> and, and not only is it encouragement, I mean, I think we get a lot of direction. Yes, people will ideas. Say, you know, yeah. This was helpful to me. This wasn't helpful to me. You know, right. would you talk more about this? And that really is important. Yep. And our producer, of course, is Joe Carlson, and Joe pours over those as well. So he gets the ideas and comes up with his own, of course, and feeds them to us. And we sound good because of producers like Joe, right? (laughs) (laughs) We actually sound like we know what we're talking about, which is uh, a miracle in and of itself. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you what's ahead on the podcast today. But before I mention that, I do want to mention our featured resource, the CSB Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. This is just a great, fresh way to read Scripture, a little different approach to Scripture, the Chronological Bible. Yeah, and CSB is a great translation because you don't know what it's going to say next. I mean, I I think in NIV, if I read a a passage, especially from the Gospels or Paul in NIV, I know what the next verse is going to say. And the wonderful thing about CSB is you don't know what the next verse is going to say because uh, (laughs) it's a fresh translation, and that helps. You can learn more about it and all the CSB Bibles at csbible.com. More on that later in the program here today. Uh, Kareem Joseph will be back with us in just a few moments on the program. Remember talking to him recently. Oh, what a wonderful brother. It's it's like he's so far away. He's in Cairo, but it's it's like he's your brother who lives right next door. So, you know, I love talking to Kareem. Okay, well, get ready because we'll meet him here in just a few moments once again. And then in the second half of our hour together, uh, we're going to go back to the cove. You've been teaching on uh, walking with Jesus, and this week you're going to answer some questions that came to you to the platform some mm-hmm. from some of the people in attendance there, plus talk about the Messianic secret. That sounds yes. appropriate for Christmas time, December. Yeah, interesting that so many times during his ministry, people would confess, well, Peter, after Caesarea, in Caesarea Philippi, Peter will confess you're the Messiah, and Jesus will say, don't tell anybody. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yep. All right. We'll hear you talk about that in the second half of our time together here in the studio. But how about a song from Michael? This was recorded in studio, of course. It's Jubilee. The Lord provided for a time for the slaves to be set free. For the debts to all be cancelled So his chosen ones could see His deep desire was for forgiveness He longed to see their liberty And his yearning was embodied In the year of Jubilee 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 Jesus is the Jubilee Debts forgiven set free Jesus is our Jubilee 
Lord's appointed time, his deep desire became a man. The heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jesus is the Jubilee, debts forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee, to be so completely guilty and given over to despair, to look into judge's face and see a savior there jubilee jubilee jesus is the jubilee debts forgiven slaves set free jesus is our Mike, it's always fun to sing along with Jubilee, but that's the appropriate song to lead into our next guest, isn't it? Yeah, uh, our, our good friend Corrine Joseph from uh, all the way from Cairo. It's just amazing to me that here's this brother who's so far away who uh, feels like he's just right next door. He, I mean, we feel like we've been friends for you know forever, but um, the, the song Jubilee was a good choice that, uh, that Joe, uh, our producer, made because Jubilee is this image from the Hebrew Bible some some people would say it's a fairly obscure image, but it's one that Jesus fulfills. And Corrine has done something similar with his book on uh, Jesus, our city of refuge, because we have this this mm-hmm. uh, this Old Testament image of cities of refuge. And so uh, Kareem has connected this this some would say kind of an obscure image of the cities of refuge uh, with the life of Jesus. So Jesus fulfills every conceivable uh, image in the Hebrew Bible. And so, Kareem, brother, thanks for uh, joining us again. Uh, thank you. It, it's my pleasure always to be with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to see you. Listeners may recall that Kareem was with us at the end of August in 2022. You can look up that podcast in our archive and listen to the interview we did with him about his first book, Encounters with Jesus. But this book is called Jesus, Our City of Refuge. So, Mike, you're holding a copy, huh? I am. I actually ordered a copy uh, off Amazon, and uh, uh, actually it's wonderful large print. <laughs> and uh, it, on the on the back, on you know the little blurb, uh, he's, he talks about the fact that he wants us— to encourage us to run to Jesus, who is our city of refuge. I think that's a wonderful uh, introduction to this book. So, Kareem, why did you write the book? Actually, this was my, my first ever book to, to write, and I never dreamt or thought that I would write a book. And it's actually a big book. It's like 200 pages or more. Uh, it all began, uh, I was just reading in the Bible, like any other day, and then I was reading in Numbers, and then came the passage of the cities of refuge, where where God was giving the the, the Israelites uh, some uh, new laws for 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 the new land that they were entering, and one of them was concerning the cities of refuge. And for some reason, I just began reading it again and again, and just became hooked on it, and. Um, so I, I thought, okay, I will write uh, like my reflection 
on it. So I just began to, to, to write simple reflections about them. And then as, as I began reading and just digging deep, um, more like more revelation began to come to me uh, regarding that these cities of refuge are not only, and they were literal cities in the Old Testament for anybody who, who committed a crime, a murder uh, by accident. Uh, but then I began to understand that they were reflecting Jesus in our daily lives now. Mm. So for me, this was a great revelation that God was speaking about literal cities in the Old Testament and something that I, for me, I read it many times and I just skipped it because it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. It, it doesn't uh, any. Uh, it doesn't concern me anymore. I don't have a city of refuge, a literal city of refuge now, if I killed somebody by accident or something like that. But then everything became, became like a new revelation that it is something spiritual now. So I just began writing and suddenly these small reflections began like, it, they became like two years of just sitting every day and writing and writing and writing. And like God began, be, began uh, like leading me in, into, into many things and just connecting the Bible in, in, a, in a magnificent way, really. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed was how the Holy Spirit connected the Bible for me, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and how everything at the end was just pointing to Jesus only. So this was for me, a, a, a really great revelation out of a very small passage that I skipped many times ago. It ended up being a book, 200 plus pages. And what is the reference so that our listeners can look it up in, as we talk about it here? Uh, yes. So this is, um, it is in Numbers 35 from 9 till 11. And then back again in Joshua 20 from 7 till 9. So they are like three verses and three verses only. But, and, and he, he just, God is telling the Israelite, if somebody killed someone by accident, he should flee to this city of refuge so that he will not be avenged. He is safe. So the relatives of the victim cannot uh, avenge or take his blood. So he is safe while he is in this city of refuge, while he is remaining there. And then be many, many things regarding, yani, there are six cities. So regarding the name of each city and how each city, it's the name itself reflects something that God, Jesus does in my life, um, from which tribe they were from. And each tribe also resembles something that I was struggling with. And then I began to look, then for each tribe, I began to look about the, the promises that were given to, there are two sets of promises in the Old Testament, the Jacob promises, which are the most well-known, but then there are the Moses promises. Moses promised each tribe uh, promises. So I just began, and surprisingly, each promise for, for these tribes where the cities were, they were like reflecting and pointing loud and clear 
to what is Jesus is doing in our life. Kareem, I have a question. What does the application of this look like? How how do I flee from the avenger of blood to, I'm assuming, Jesus is the fulfillment of the city of refuge? What does that look like in terms of application for us now? Sure, th- th- this is great. So n- now, in, uh, because this is in the Old Testament, there is no uh, city now or anything. So what the thing is, all of us have sinned. Everybody. So, and the punishment of sin is death. So, and mm-hmm. there must be a blood shed. This is written in the Old Testament and everywhere. So, that's mm-hmm. why in the Old Testament there were sacrifices, many sacrifices. But then came Jesus and he was the ultimate sacrifice for us. So, for me, I sinned and I was, I, I had to die. So, but then he came in, instead of me and he died instead of me so that I can live in him a new life. And mm-hmm. when accepting Jesus as my savior and as my city of refuge, the enemy cannot approach me. So I'm safe in, in him. And mm-hmm. safe here, I mean the spiritual sense more than the physical sense because I, I, I can highlight this a bit later. Okay. But mainly the, the, the six cities... I can I can feel I, I, from my study, each city reflects something that Jesus does. So, for example, the first city is Kedesh. Kedesh means holy place or holiness. So this is what Jesus does in us when we come to Him. He just cleanses us. He makes us holy. And guess what? Kedesh is in which tribe? Naphtali. Naphtali means wrestling. I'm wrestling with sin. I'm wrestling with the bondages that I have. I'm wrestling. I cannot get out by myself. But when I go to, to Jesus, my, my real city of refuge, he is the one who can cleanse me, who can set me free from this. So, so this is something really encouraging a lot. So I can flee to his holiness. That's what you're saying. Yep. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's great. Michael, as Kareem was talking about how he initially would skip over that portion of Scripture talking about cities of refuge, and then suddenly something came alive about it, Um, this is just a great example of the Word being living and active. This is how it works when we spend time in it. Yeah, those passages that you think you, you you squeeze them dry, all of a sudden they have this whole new meaning. Yeah, the Bible is the only book that reads you. It's There's nothing like the Word of God, and I think Joseph's book is a great example of that. Yeah. Kareem, we have a, a little bit of time here. I'd love to hear another example of one of these cities, because that was rich what you shared about the first one. Give us another one or two of them, if you would. Sure. So, um, I have, uh, like, I, I guess the, the first three, they were things that God is doing inside of me. Okay, so mm-hmm. like a, a quick example. The second one, it is called um, Shikim. And Shikim means shoulder. So shoulder, so it, it is like, I, I, I related it to, to Matthew eleven twenty. It Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is as if God wants to rest. He wants my shoulder not to have anything else, mm-hmm. not to have any burdens from the enemy, any mm-hmm. burdens, but 
only his yoke, only his burden, only his fruits. So he, he's, he's calling me to just to free me from any guilt, from any uh, false doctrines, from any worries, from any hurts, anything that is like on my shoulder that I cannot mm. move with him. Mm. Okay, And this is from the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim means doubly fruitful. So he will be fruitful. I will be fruitful when I'm with Jesus because my shoulder will be free to carry his fruits. Mm. So this is another thing. And the third one that is internally, the, 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 the next, the other three will be something externally. But the third one is Hebron, which means fellowship. And this place actually was the first place where Abraham had a home. He, he really had a home and he had a dwelling place. So this for me, as if God is, Jesus is telling me, I am your dwelling place. I'm not just a place where you come uh, quickly visit me or ask me for something. No, I am your dwelling place. You, you need to dwell just to, to rest there. Mm. So, so this for me, it was like an eye-opening thing, yeah. really. Okay, it's eye-opening for us. Go ahead, Michael. Well, Kareem, I really need to hear about the last city today. I need to hear about Golan. Yeah, Golan. Okay. Golan is the joy. Golan means joy. So it, it, it really, it also means, in, in, in the Hebrew, their captivity, their rejoicing, as if God is removing my captivity, changing my captivity into joy mm. so it, it is as if something I, I i had a very rough time i'm struggling with sin before knowing god i tried to fill my my life with with pleasures but like like what was said in jeremiah i'm trying to dig wells but these wells they don't give me real water at mm. all so so that's one of it uh, after i finished the book before publishing or anything uh, I had the COVID. I, 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 I had the COVID and it was very hard for me. It was like a couple of years ago. And I had to spend 24 days in the hospital. Oh. So I, I, and after, after that, I added this part in the book, actually. So anybody who will read it, you, he, he will find this part. But the thing here that really, I, I, I had 24 days all, all alone in the hospital. It was very tough physically. And actually, emotionally and spiritually and everything, everything. But but one of the things, because one of the cities, um, uh, which is Benzir, means stronghold, means that God is my is my real refuge. So my question was, what is happening? Why am I sick? And actually, I was in a very critical situation. I was told later when I went out that I was extremely critical that one night it was either this way or that way. Uh, um, so I had this question and then God show, showed it to me clearly. He, he told me the real battle over your life is not on your body, on your physical body. No, it is on your spirit. This is what Satan need, wants to crush, not mm -hmm. your physical body at all. He wants you he wants your soul to be killed, to be to be destroyed, not your not your physical body. And this was really a, a, a revelation because Jesus said, "Fear for fear 
he who, who can kill the spirit, not kill the body. Mm-hmm. So this for me, I I I can I, mean, I was healed by a miracle, definitely. Physically, this was a miracle. Mm-hmm. But everybody I, mean, I met, I I was I, I used to tell them and I am still telling them my biggest miracle was that God sustained my soul, my spirit, and kept me focusing on him through this extremely tough time. This was this was him being my city of refuge, really. Mm. He he just encompassed me, my thoughts, because I was very easily to lose every hope and to just give up. And and that's it. It was a very hard time, but I, I believe that this was God's greatest miracle in my life. Mm-hmm. And this was him being my really city of refuge. And yeah. another thing quickly, in the cities of refuge, they were not allowed to enter any weapons. No weapons were allowed because mm. the city of refuge was your defense. You don't mm. need any weapons. So while I was in the hospital also, I was worried, worried about my wife and my kids, about how I can pay everything, the fees for the school, the fees for the hospital, everything, everything. And and God was very clear. He told me, is it you? Does it depend on you? Mm. No, it depends on me. I am... I, I am. I will satisfy everything. You don't, it's not about you at all. It's about me. Mm. Mm. So this was for me, yes, you know what? I will not depend on my weapon, which is money or power or positions or whatever. No, I will not depend on this. I will depend on you alone. Mm-hmm. So this also for me was like a real life changing uh, experience. Really. I I can understand that. That is fabulous. I'm so glad you told us that part of the story, Kareem. This book was much more than academic. It became very personal to you, and uh, we benefit from hearing these lessons. Yes, extremely personal, yeah. actually. Yeah, I can yeah. understand that. Well, I know our listeners are going to want to read it. It's called Jesus, Our City of Refuge. And Mike, we'll put information in our program notes for this podcast so our listeners know how to get a copy. And it's been such a delight to have Kareem back with us here again today. Yeah, I feel like we're friends already, Kareem. Thank you for giving us a, such a uh, I really your time. Wish we could meet uh, actually by face to face, really. Yes. Well, never say never, as they say. So thank you. <laughs> it was always my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Kareem Joseph, all the way from Cairo, joining us here via Zoom here on Michael's uh, in the studio program. Uh, Michael, so much to talk about there. I'm just going to leave it though, and just yes. I, I know our listeners can apply the lessons he 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 taught them so clearly to us about Jesus is our refuge. Yes, to fleeing to Jesus is our city of refuge. What a wonderful image. Yep. Let's conclude with this song from Michael Card. How much more a servant. On this their final night They bicker and they fight Still they are slaves to men And not yet slaves to Christ He would give up on words Too tired to speak So he took up the towel And washed their filthy feet The arguments just fade away And there is nothing more they can say the wordless lesson that will set them free tell me 
How much more a servant could he be? He took a loaf of bread, he broke it, and he said, "Take this, my body, and remember me." He took the final cup, and as he raised it up, this covenant is new. My blood poured out for you. The arguments just fade away, and there is nothing more that they can say. The wordless lesson that will set them free. Tell me, how much more a servant could he be? He is the slave who always serves himself. Makes of himself the final meal, lived out in flesh so we could see. Tell me, how much more a servant could he be? He is the wine and bread, too much to comprehend. He leads us from his knees and serves us as a friend. In time, they'd finally hear. The message made so clear: Who is the greatest one? It is God's servant son. The arguments just fade away, and there is nothing more that we can say. The wordless lesson that will set us free. Tell me, how much more a servant could he be? How much more a servant? How much more a servant? How much more a servant could he be? Thank you for that song, Michael, and thank you to Kareem who joined us here. Always a delight to speak with him. A couple of listener comments. This comes from Tom. He says, I was first introduced to Mike's music when a friend brought me to one of Moody Bible's Friday Night Sing concerts. Wow. Remember those, Mike? That was a long time ago, but I do. I love playing at that big Moody church. Yeah, that was a great That was a great time. Yep, I was there as well. Uh, this uh, note says, the biggest thing that the music and podcasts and books have inspired me is to study and live more about Hesed every day. I've learned to see especially the New Testament with my Hesed glasses. Mm. You've got me looking for it everywhere and trying to do it everywhere. I think my pastor is sick of hearing about it from me. <laughs> my eight-year-old was excited the other day when we were able to do four acts of Hesed in our one grocery store trip. Wow. Oh, that's a good dad right there. Wow. that I've never heard anybody engage with it that way. Way to go, Tom. Yeah. We'll keep praying for all that help make your show possible and that it keeps on going for a long mm. time to come. Blessings to you wow. all, Tom. God bless you. Thank you, Tom. And this comes from Steve. It was a very humbling experience to meet you and hear you teach about Jesus at the Cove in Asheville this past week. I've enjoyed your ministry of music for many years, but your teaching of the word has inspired this preacher in the autumn years of his life with a renewed hunger to learn all that I can about our amazing Savior. Mm-hmm. Be blessed 
and continue to make your lists as long as you share them with the rest of those who are walking along with mm. joy in the journey. Are you a list maker? I, I do. I mean, the book I'm working on now is basically composed of lists of the details of the life of Jesus. And I actually remember Steve. I remember talking to him and and what it, what an, an encouragement it was that someone like him, a pastor, was finding that uh, that helpful. Yeah. So thanks, Steve. Well, we're all going to the Cove, in a sense, in a few moments when Michael teaches in a recording made there in the summer of 2021. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And you can learn more about Michael's books and conference ministry when you go to michaelcard.com. So there's more coming up from Michael Card here in the studio after this break. Michael, this month, we're featuring the day-by-day chronological Bible. I'm so glad that we get to feature this important Bible edition from my good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. George has been with us many times, and we've appreciated his ability to make the Bible understandable. That's why we want to point you to the day-by-day chronological Bible. This study tool combines a daily reading plan with a unique way of tracing the flow of God's action through history. Visit csbible.com and search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible to learn more about this helpful way to get into God's Word as we prepare to start off the new year. Be sure to use the special 40% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 as one word in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible, scholarly, accurate, readable, current, and a wonderful gift for this time of year. Search for the day-by-day chronological Bible now at csbible.com. Disappeared, and he is in the hand that reaches out to give, and he is in the touch that causes us to live. So speak with your life now, as well as your tongue, and shelter the homeless, take care of the young. 
For in his distressing disguise He hopes that we'll realize That when we take care of the poorest of them We've really done it to him Mike, I don't know if you wrote that song with Christmas in mind, but it certainly fits this time of year. Yeah, um, and I think we've obscured a lot of that uh, just because the you know the babe and the manger and the light and all that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, it was a distressing way. I mean, there's no room uh, for them in the guest room. There's uh, there's no place for the Son of Man to lay his head. Uh, it, it, the, the birth of Jesus began a whole life of of not belonging and not having a place, you know, to go. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. We're going to hear your teaching from the Cove in a moment, our continuing series, Walking with Jesus. But I haven't talked to you in a while about your research into the life of Jesus, the book uh-huh. you're planning to write. Uh, where does that stand right now? We've been praying for you about that. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it's in a really good place. I'm, I'm doing my final sort of wrap-up. Uh, I've got... Um, Four notebooks that are about, you know, those big, thick notebooks. I've got four notebooks of articles that I've just reread. And I just, um, I think my final step before I start writing is I just ordered a copy of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Christ the Center because I really want this book to be radically Christ centered. Uh, The premise behind the book is uh, I want to know everything, every detail, everything that can be known about Jesus, I want to know. And uh, mm-hmm. what languages he spoke, what his world was like, you know, just everything that can be known. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, it's I think it's going well. It's I think it's going good. well. Well, yeah, that's good to hear because this really yeah. is a highly anticipated book from Michael Card. Believe me, yeah. I've talked to some people about that. So we we are waiting yeah. to be able to to get our copy and to read. This is going to be too. Great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you'll, you'll. I can't. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, let's uh, switch to a recording now. This was made at the Cove, the Billy Graham Conference uh, Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina. One of your favorite places to go, I know. Yeah. And uh, you're going to be teaching about the Messianic secret. But as we start the recording here and play it back, you you receive some questions from the audience, and so. The first we're going to hear is you read one of those questions and answer it. Is it true by Jewish tradition that Jesus should have been named after Joseph as a firstborn son? Well, I don't know about Jewish tradition, but I know in Luke 1, John the Baptist, right? Everyone says you're going to name him Zachariah, right? Because that's his father's name, and they're going to know his name's John. So yeah, I think that's probably a reliable idea that you know, um, you, you, they carried on, you know, the name of their uh, father. Of course, Joseph wasn't his father, and so they named him Jesus. So he couldn't have had any other name. It means Yahweh saves. He, what other name could he have had, right? Um, I was once told that Joseph wouldn't have been a carpenter because of the high cost and scarcity of wood 
that he may have worked in stone instead. Thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's correct. The word is tecton. And early on in kind of the history of translation, like King James and uh, uh, what's the guy that was before James, uh, King James? Uh, I can see his picture. I can see a woodcut of a picture of his face, but I can't think of his name. Not, it was even it was Tyndale and, and um, the, guy that invented, the guy that invented the word loving kindness. What was his name? I'll think of it, you know, at three o'clock in the morning. Anyway, um, so early on, tecton was uh, the, tr- the acceptable translation was carpenter, but carpenter really isn't, doesn't reflect it. Tecton means a person with technical knowledge. It's related to the word technical. And so Jesus is a tecton, and that means he can frame up, he can work in wood, but work it, wood is scarce, but he can, he can build a, a stone wall or a stone house or he can work with metal because he has technical, you know, it's, it could be, he could be a blacksmith. He has technical knowledge that he can build and make things with. So we really don't have a word uh, to, to translate tecton into. But so the, the, the tradition, early tradition was carpenter and uh, builder. I mean, you know, but it's more than builder because he can make, he can make small implements and uh, uh, he was, he was that guy. Oh, definitely blue collar. Yeah, definitely blue collar. Okay, let's talk about the messianic secret, which is not a mystery and it's not a secret. So, but it is messianic. So uh, I want to look at those, uh, some uh, examples of those. Let me give you a short list, though. It occurs in all of the Gospels, but most frequently it's in Mark. People um, usually refer to the messianic secret as a Markan thing. But it's, it's not just in Mark. Matthew 17, 1 through 13, after the transfiguration, Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And let me just, let me give away, let me give, the, give it all away before, uh, before I look at them. The reason for the Messianic secret is very simple. Every time he says, well, not every time, but frequently when he says, don't tell, they tell. And the very next verse indicates that he is so covered up by people that he can't do his ministry. So the messianic secret is just Jesus trying to keep a lid on things. The ministry is out of control in some ways, right? They can't even eat, right? The ministry's out of control. So occasionally Jesus will do a miracle and say, please don't tell anybody I did that. And, uh, and, so, and I can tell you, I've, I've looked up which ones have a result and which, which ones don't. So Matthew 17, 1 through 13, after the transfiguration, he says, don't tell, and there's no result. There's no, you know, no word of anything happening. Mark 1, 39 through 45, which is also paralleled in Luke 5, a leper is cleansed, and Jesus says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but he blabs, and as a result... Jesus' ministry is hampered. So in that one, there's a result. They disobey, and, uh, and you see why he told them not to. Um, Mark 5, 21 through 43, which is paralleled in Luke 8, 56. That's the healing of Jairus' daughter. He gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. Okay, But there's no result. We don't know if they blabbed you know, or, or what happened. There's no result that's, that's, uh, that's given, okay? Uh, Mark 7, 31 through 37, healing of a deaf man. He ordered them to tell no one, but there's a result on this one in verse 36. 
The more he ordered it, the more they proclaimed it. So I think in general, that's what happened. The more he said, please don't tell, they told. How can you not tell, right? How can you not tell? And I'm sure they didn't understand why he was telling them not to. Um, Mark 8, 22 through 26, the blind man, uh, Bethsaida, he says, don't even go into the village. After he heals the, the guy, he says, don't go back to the village. And I think the implication is, let's keep this secret, okay? Uh, in verse 26, <clears throat> there's no result. Uh, Mark 8, 27 through 30 is Peter's confession. And after Peter confesses who Jesus is, it says, he strictly warned them to tell no one about this. You're the Messiah. Okay, whatever you do, don't tell anybody. And is it because he's keeping his messiahship a secret? I don't think so. He, he knows that they don't know who the Messiah is. And it's not a good thing for them to be blabbing that he's the Messiah if they have false images. I mean, their, their idea, at least a lot of their idea, is that he's a, he's a king who's going to come and kill the Romans. Well, that's not good, right? It's not good if they start blabbing that. Uh, and so... During that, after the, the, the transfiguration, the confession of Peter, what you see is from 9 to 19 in Luke, that long travel narrative, he's explaining to them what it means to be the Messiah. As they're going to Jerusalem, he's going to be killed, he's going to be spat upon, he's going to be, you know, crucified. That's what it means to be the Messiah. And he's going to be raised to life. But I, think, I don't think the Messianic secret is complicated. I think it's pretty obvious. The text is obvious of why he tells them not to tell. And uh, there it is. A man named Vreda came up with this uh, German theologian. This is Luke 5, the man with leprosy. Uh, Luke 5, 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, perpetually unclean, walking death. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. There's Luke using euthos. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus, I said this yesterday, I think, being very conservative Jesus is the conservative. You know, go be inspected by the priest, you know, offer the sacrifices, and, and that's, you know, strictly Hebrew Bible stuff. Yet the news spread about him all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see what happened? As a result of this miracle, people come to him from everywhere. The news spreads all the more, so apparently he... he, he he told, and uh, Jesus ends up fleeing to the wilderness and praying, you know, praying there. Okay, this is uh, Mark seven. This is the healing of the deaf and the dumb man. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. It's, if you follow this on the map, this isn't the way. This isn't the way he usually goes. So he goes down, Tyre's up here, he goes down to the galley, but then he goes over the top, over to the Decapolis. He usually doesn't go that way. He usually goes down through the other side. There's some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. 
Uh, there's a great prophecy in, in uh, Jeremiah. I looked for it last night and I couldn't find it. That, uh, that says that when the Messiah comes, those who are deaf and can hardly talk. It's the ex- exact same word. Mugi Lolan is the word. Um, I'll still try to find that for you. Uh, so there was a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him away from the crowd, see what he's doing? Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit, touched the man's tongue, looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh, he said, Ephaphtha, which is Aramaic, it means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Something's up. Is that how Jesus heals people? Okay. There, there are two miracles here in Mark that are unusual. There's this one, and then there's the other one where he, he heals the blind man partially. Remember that one? He heals him. He goes, do you see anything? We say, I, I see men like trees walking around. That's not how Jesus does miracles. He's up to something. But if you look in the text, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then the, the story, it's the, the opening of the ears sort of of the man and the gradual opening of the eyes of the man. And in the middle of those two miracles, Jesus is sitting in a boat with the disciples. And he says, do you have ears but can barely hear? like the man? Do you have eyes but can barely see like the man whose eyes? These parables, I mean, these, these miracles are parables of the gradual opening of the eyes and ears of the disciples, and it really is beautiful when you, when you put those two together. Because when he, when, he starts do, when he starts spitting and sticking his fingers in, yelling, that is not how he does miracles, usually, right? How does he heal you know, the blind man? Or uh, the, the leper, stretch out your hand, or, you know, or be clean, or you know, go home, your daughter's well. He, he doesn't do these sort of bombastic things very often. So when he's doing this, you've got to stop and go, hold up, something is up. He's making a point by doing it this way. And the point in these two miracles in Mark is he, he's symbolically sort of showing the disciples parabolizing the miracle in the miracle that their eyes are slowly opening, their ears are slowly beginning to hear. So it's a, it's a really cool, cool device. So he, with a deep sigh, he says, Ephaphtha, uh, which means be open. The man's ears were open, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. So that's, that's the, uh, the messianic uh, secret, the so-called messianic secret. When the Father longed to show a love he wanted us to know, he sent his only Son and so became a holy embryo that is the mystery more than you can see give up on your pondering and fall down on your knees no 
fiction as fantastic and wild A mother made by her own child Hopeless babe who cried Was God incarnate and man deified That is the mystery More than you can see Give up on your pondering Because the fall did devastate, Creator must now recreate. And so to take our sin was made like us, so we could be like Him. That is the mystery. More than you can see. Give up on your pondering. the mystery. What a great hour together. As always, Michael, thank you so much. Now, we have just a moment left to us, and I think we're thinking about the same thing. Here we are in early December, and Christmas always seems to catch us by surprise, and our hearts aren't really prepared for it. Maybe this year we can take this reminder to get ourselves in the right place for celebration of Christmas. That's something that the Lord has always laid on my heart, is to try to help people not miss it. Because you get so caught up with the busyness and all the trappings of Christ- Christmas, and then what I find is you're 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 sitting under the tree with all the wreckage, you know, on uh, Christmas morning, and you realize <laughs> you've never really stopped and realized what uh, what what Christmas really means. So I pray that that doesn't happen to anyone who's listening. Yeah, why don't you lead us in prayer to that end right yeah. now? Would you mind? No, not at all. Lord Jesus, we come to you as your children who who need to be made wise. And we give to you this season of Christmas, and we ask that, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us not to miss the significance, uh, that you would give us uh, a space and time where we could stop and realize all that it means that you came into this world, that you took on human flesh, and also that you could uh, give your life for us. So um, we we ask that with, with great Uh, expectation and with great confidence in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Michael. And to wrap up our time together, let's celebrate the child. Celebrate the child who is the light. Now the darkness is over. No more wandering in the night. Celebrate the child who is the light No, this is no fable Godhead and manhood became one We see he's more than able And so we live to God the Son Celebrate the child who is the light Now the darkness is over No more wandering in the night Celebrate the child who is the light, firstborn of creation. Lamb and lion, God and man, the author of salvation. 
ocean Almighty wrapped in swaddling bands Celebrate the child who is the light Now the darkness is over No more wandering in the night Celebrate the child who is the light Celebrate the child who is the light A wonderful song from Michael that wraps up this session in the studio with Michael Card. We hope this session was used by God to help prepare you for the celebration of Christmas. Take a moment and email your reactions to this hour. You can send your comments, song requests, or questions to us when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. Or post your reaction and interact with other listeners on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. Learn about Michael's books and music so you can expand on what you've heard in this session at michaelcard.com. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. Find an edition of this new translation that fits your needs. This month, we're highlighting the day-by-day chronological Bible put together by our good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. This daily reading edition would be a great tool for yourself or a gift for someone who wants to start a reading plan in the new year. When you visit csbible.com, search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. And when you order your copy, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible, available now at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us as we present another podcast dedicated to helping you celebrate the birth of our Savior. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and of course our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us for this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Michael Card